We are back. This is another episode of Sports with the Z and a T. I am Bryce Linsky alongside Taylor Lattimore. We are, of course, sponsored by Mohawk Honda, Johnstone Supply, and Troy, and Saving Face Barbershop up in Saratoga Springs, presented by Godzilla Media. Uh, Taylor and I took a week off last week. It's kind of like that lull, right? Like, we want to record every week, but sometimes there's just simply not enough content to throw an episode out every week. So, Last week with the All-Star break, um, not much happening in the football world. Uh, baseball's in a lockout, which is what we're going to get to in a second. Eh, kind of eliminates the options a little bit there, Taylor. So uh, um, yep. that is what the absence was about last week. But we are back. The NBA is back post-All-Star uh, break. Uh, the NFL is underway with its combine. And then, of course, the big news that we will get to now leading off no pun or pun absolutely intended uh the mlb uh no deal the lockout is getting worse uh it broke today we record on tuesday it broke today around i'd say about four o'clock just about an hour before the five o'clock deadline that the major league baseball players association uh agreed unanimously not to accept the MLB's so-called final proposal. There was no deal on a new collective bargaining agreement, and uh, that has led to the MLB canceling the March 31st opening day, including the first six games of the season. Um, we heard Manfred talk today. The union addressed the media a couple minutes ago, releasing a statement, pretty much pushing all the blame back. And you know how this all goes, pushing the blame mm -hmm. towards the commissioner. As Rob Manfred said, you know, they're doing this, that, and the other, and, and honoring what the MLBPA has wanted for years, um, which hasn't exactly been uh, the case. Uh, the MLB's final proposal, and I know a lot of people don't really like to look into the nitty-gritty of CBA contracts, and there are sometimes very hard to explain and we will do our best to do so. Uh, but like I said, the MLB's final proposal, which was unanimously voted against by the MLBPA around four o'clock today on Tuesday, featured an increase from 25 million to $30 million in pre-arbitration bonus pool each year for the length of the deal. Uh, the union wants to begin with 85 million dollars in the pool and go up five million dollars each year so that kind of shows you how big of a gap simply on the pre-arbitration bonus pool that they are a part and a lot of this disagreement has been economics um some of it has been not economics but the more serious disagreements have been just that and you look at the collective balance tax thresholds. The league's last offer remained the same as its previous one, which started at $220 million and was flat for three years before going up to $224 million and $230 million, respectively. The league also wanted to increase its proposal for minimum salaries from $675,000 to $700,000, moving up $10,000 per year. Those figures are based on there being an increase to twelve. dollars postseason teams and the addition of five lottery slots in the draft simply um you know in the mlb's view the owner's view they are doing a lot to what the mlbpa wanted but when you really go underneath the surface of that they're not coming close to what the mlbpa has demanded for the past three months and 
here we are. Like, I mean, this is where mm-hmm. it gets frustrating. They've had three months to get a deal done. And the owners and players have simply not been able to agree on a new CBA. And that is why officially, at least at minimum, you will miss the first week of the 2022 regular season. Yeah, opening day is going to be canceled or at least postponed or whatever. And games will be canceled as per uh, Rob Manford and and the MLB announcing that today. Um, And yeah, it's just sad to see because, I mean, you got to you got to feel for the players, obviously, because, I mean, we as fans, you know, there's a lot of money involved. And we know the owners are making, you know, billions and billions of dollars off of this. And MLB is making billions and billions of dollars. And you want the players, you know, the people who are actually responsible for the product on the field, um, you want them to get paid. It's, it's the same thing, you know, same gripe you have with any any sport, like the women's soccer. Like, you want them to be paid because they're the reason that, you know, we're winning world cups and whatnot is, is it, on the women's side is because of the, our, our women um, and, and the players and, and you want the players to be paid. Um, but on the flip side, obviously the owners, you know, they want to hold on their money as much as anyone else does. I mean, we all, we all don't want to lose money. And even if it's a, an enormous amount of money that we can't really fathom millions and billions of dollars, um, they don't want to lose that either. And so this is where they're at. And it seems like they're making almost no headway because the, what we've heard from reports, especially in the last couple of weeks, is like, oh, yeah, that last meeting lasted uh, 15 minutes. <laughs> so it's like uh, half of our, our podcasts last longer than their negotiations. Like we're at five minutes. You 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 talked for nearly five minutes right there uh, on, on the intro. And Good talk, right? That's Good talk. Like half of what they've done in the negotiations, and so it's kind of crazy to think about. Like, like we'll, uh, ten minutes from now, we will have talked for as long as the MLB and the MLB Players Association talked, and it's kind of insane. And I think the longest I've heard a report was forty-five minutes. That's the longest that they've talked um, in these negotiations, and so it just seems like it's going nowhere. And you wonder, like, is this just the beginning of the lockout? Like, how long? Is it going to last? Because as much as the players, you know, they want to have a fair deal, how long can they go where they're not making any money? Yet, like they're not getting paid. They're not playing games. Games aren't going on. No one's making money. Um, and so you wonder at what point does the buck stop and they just try to make a deal? Obviously, the players, I don't think they're going to blink as much mm-hmm. as maybe the MLB will because the MLB is losing all that money. And like the players, they just want to be fairly compensated. And um, you know, player salaries have been going down recently and for the last four years, I believe. And so that that's part of their problem. They, they just they just want to be fairly compensated in their eyes. And and yeah, so it, it it's tough, especially for us fans. Like, you know, I think we talked about it the other day or I don't know if it was on the air or off the air where we were like at me as a Yankees fan. It's like, oh, I want to see the games played. But then it's like as a Yankees fan, we're so up and down lately. It's it's like, do I want it? to actually happen but um yeah obviously eventually we want these games to be played so you know we're we're hopeful that they can come to some type of agreement maybe get more than 45 minutes of negotiations and like that'd be a start yeah i mean just like some some headway it seems like we're not making any progress i haven't heard of any like movement on either side like kind of giving up ground the the past two three days leading up to the decision today I, I mean it just started too late but i mean they were in the room the war room for about 16 hours on monday 
um, ended about one o'clock in the morning, Eastern time, and then restarted again around 11 o'clock. And that's the problem though. Um, The real negotiations haven't taken place and really didn't start to take place until the final week of February. And by that point, the union gave up on its demands, really, for the earlier free agency, which is something they were driving. Uh, Revenue sharing cuts made significant concessions on the percentage of um, additional players who would become eligible for arbitration early. Those are like some of the big core points here that the MLBPA has been trying to really get for the players. I mean, mean, this is going back even past the last – Lockout. I mean, we're go- we're talking decades that this has been an issue. Um, owners, in turn, made more generous proposals around minimum salaries, uh, the luxury tax threshold, and the additional player pool. But I, I mean, like we've been talking about, that gap is too wide. Owners don't want to spend significantly more. I, I mean, that's plain and simple. Um, players believe, given the additional cash that will be provided by an expanded postseason, which is what the owners are throwing back at the players not to mention the upcoming influx of gambling. That's an aspect of this that hasn't been talked about, really. They should be receiving more money. And, I mean, there's, like, look, look, there are several macro reasons this hasn't gotten done. Um, players' deep-seated mistrust of ownership. Let's start there. I mean, I mean, this that has been loud and clear for years. Um, desire to make significant gains on collective bargaining agreement that was gained by savvy front offices, nationwide penchant for corporate billionaires to maximize profits no matter the blowback. At the onset of these negotiations, owners expressed a willingness to reallocate the money that goes to players but not increase it. In other words, their stance this entire time, Taylor, the pie could change but not grow any larger. And that right there is why we haven't gone anywhere in these negotiations. And I mean, I said this to my buddy, I, I think, oh God, I, I mean, this has gone gone on since about December at this point. I, I think I said before, even the official lockout, I'd be shocked, shocked if there's baseball before Memorial Day this year. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I, I mean, that's the way that it's been going, like the direction that it's going. Like even with today, like the announcements that it's, it, you know, that, that games will be canceled, that opening day is going to be pushed back. I, I don't think it has a, that it hasn't had that huge effect. Like it doesn't, it's not like, oh, let's rush to the table now that games are actually being postponed. Like I said, like I think that the players, they were fully prepared for this. And at least for now, they don't want to to give up ground. They don't want to blink in this, in this game of chicken. They don't want to be the first ones to move. And I mean, you know, that's how, that's how you got to do it. If, if, if you're not getting what you want, you have to have at least a back and forth. And if the MLB is not going to budge on certain things that the players really want, and you talked about all the things that the players have given up that they really wanted and that they're, they're giving up and, and they're giving up things. And the MLB just doesn't seem to want to match them in terms of coming to a compromise. And so here we are, we wait and see if, you know, anything changes now that games are officially like being canceled in the process of being canceled. Will it change anything? And, and, and right now that now that games are being canceled and I think that the urgency is starting to become realized. I mean, it's a shame that it took that and it should never take that. And you look at leagues that have successfully um, 
created new CBAs over the past couple years, the NFL, the NBA, I mean, each of these, the NHL, each of these leagues have had lockouts over the past couple of turns. And that, that just tends to happen. That does happen from time to time, but nothing has been ugly. I, I remember the lockout back in um, like 05, 06 for the NHL was really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it, very similar to this for different reasons, but similar. And that season wasn't played at all. The entire season mm-hmm. was missed. Um, this kind of reminds me of that. Now, I think under today in today's day and age that I don't see an entire season going to the to the wayside but i mean when you look at where we are now looking at both sides if there's a side that has leverage in negotiations with the regular season continuing to be delayed it's the owners plain and simple they're billionaires and they often own their franchises yeah. for decades mm-hmm. and they they pass them down through the family on and on and on and over the long haul a few missed games within a season is a blip on their radar that they're they don't look at the big picture. They worry about themselves. Players' careers are significantly shorter. Thus, so is their earning power, right? Mm-hmm. They make significantly greater sacrifices when games are missed. The bet being made by owners is that missing paychecks will fracture the union enough for the players to come down further to their side. And so that's that's where the owners are. I, I mean, this is kind of like uh y- y- you know, your typical game of who blinks first the yeah. mlb players association has been preparing like you said taylor they've been preparing for this since the last cba was signed and that was god more than five years ago at this point mm-hmm. they stored away a significant chunk of licensing checks to play the payers during a potential work stoppage i mean this has been all in the works because the five-year agreement was kind of like a band-aid on a gashed wound I, I yeah. mean, that that really it really didn't solve anything. It pushed this problem further down the line. And I think we're we're seeing its ugly head, you know, sticking out now because of it. But beginning in April, players will be paid fifteen thousand dollars a month. And that do, uh, look, that doesn't come close to matching their typical salaries. And I mean, God, fifty thousand dollars a month. I feel sorry for you. But um, <laughs> but but the players uh, have some leverage here. They do expanded playoffs the financial windfall that comes from it which the union was smart to tie to a full season and the one thing that i will say public support is in the players favor too i mean let's be real it's in the players favor because we all see it the blame for a shortened season the ripple effects of it all that falls on rob manfred he is at the mercy of the owners who employ him but it's his job to build enough consensus to strike a deal and that's the problem we're not close yeah, and obviously we're on the side of the players. I mean, the players are millionaires as well as the owners are billionaires. But, I mean, if there's one of the two groups that I think us as fans and, and people in general can uh, ally themselves with, it's at least with the players. Because, you know, the owners are making money off of, I don't want to say nothing, but essentially nothing. Like, they own the team, but the players are the ones who, like, do the damn thing. Like, they play the games. They're the one that draw the crowds. It's your star players that win the games, that draw the crowds, that get people, that fill the stadiums. Um, so obviously, like I'm on the side of the players. Obviously, I want the players to make what they deserve. Um, and it also just sucks for baseball that it's this is happening now um, because of the fact that we just had a pandemic. We had a shortened season. I know. Like, we just went through this. Exactly. And we, ha- we went through it because of COVID. And then now 
that this is hitting at the same time, it's just a bad look for baseball and it doesn't help grow the sport at all at a time where the sport is declining for, for all intents and purposes. Like, you know, football is the big sport. Obviously we all watch football. We all watch the Super Bowl, NBA, you know, I like the NBA more than baseball, honestly. Um, NBA is my favorite sport, but they're trying to grow a fan base, especially with like newer fans, like younger fans. And this crap is not helping. It's just not. No, uh, well, and and that's been a big talking point too. I mean, MLB and baseball in general has struggled for so long to really grow the sport and get the younger generations involved and interested into the sport. <clears throat> and obviously through rules and, and different changes, they have tried to do so much to the, you know, pain and agony of us true baseball fans. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just it. While the NFL continues to dominate the headlines, the NBA continues to dominate the headlines. And look, I love hockey. I do. But let's be honest. I know what real is real. And the NHL does not dominate the headlines. Nor, I mean, that's just simply not the case. The MLB is dominating the headlines for the wrong reasons now. Yeah. And, and, and that's the problem. I mean, there's, there's a lot of problems, but um, when you look at the earliest, the MLB season could start now um, with the two series, first series of the regular season canceled. They will not be made up by the way. So you're, we will not, we officially will not see 162 games this year. Yeah. That, I mean, that, and that, it's already becoming a mess. The earliest the season could begin in, um, could begin April 8th. So keep this in mind. Not every team has the same schedule, right? Some teams will not have played six games before April 8th. Mm-hmm. So if the season starts April 8th, Taylor, the Phillies, and I, and I'm just, I'm just picking this out because I know the NL East, I got this information earlier. The Phillies and the Mets will play 156 games. The Braves will play 155 games. The Nationals and the Marlins will play 154 games. How do you think those final standards are going to work if it comes down in between a game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that 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 it it's things like that. Yes, you have a mess, but also think about the ramification. I mean, you're going to have to change the schedule. Yeah, uh, that yeah. And it's a big problem, and it's just, it's just, it's a mess. Like, like you said, it, it's a mess, and and the MLB needs to figure it out and figure it out fast, because if if this drags on and they keep losing games, like it's just going to be a mess for the sport. Keep it's in mind, worse. keep in mind, the majority of free agents have not signed. Yeah, we still have a free agency period that we have to go through, and that is why, like, it's not as simple as okay, everybody, you know, pack your shit, get down to Florida for two weeks, and let's start the season on time. Rosters aren't finalized. You don't yeah. even know. I mean, there are some big names out there that have not signed: Nicholas Castellanos, uh, Kyle Schwarber. I mean, th- there are a lot of important names out there that still need to pick their teams, and. Uh, and then, um, like you said, on top of that is like spring training and stuff. Like, well, I mean, it'll be summer training by the time this freaking gets going. But like, but like that that still has to happen, and like th- things like that, you can't just jump into the season. And so it, it's it's just the, the longer this drags on, the worse it gets for everyone involved. It is getting ugly, and obviously, we will keep you all updated. 
if you know something comes to light here uh, within the next couple of days, whether they come closer to agreement or not, the MLBPA has packed up and taken its uh, you know group and gone back to New York City to kind of relook at this. And uh, Rob Manfred said that the earliest they could start. Uh, beginning conversations again would be this Thursday. So hopefully something materializes late in the week and over the weekend to possibly get this thing underway. We do not know. We will not know until that time comes though. And so in the meantime, let's flip to a sport that's actually underway and dominating the headlines right now. And that would be the NBA Taylor. So much fun. We got to revisit some things. And obviously we talked Two weeks ago, because the trade deadline happened, we talked about the Sixers-Nets blockbuster deal. We talked about the power rankings going into the second half of the season. Well, now we've had a week after the All-Star break to kind of see what some of these teams look like. And we kind of, you know, we're going to revisit the Harden deal here. We're going to look at power rankings here in a second. And, and Taylor, we were talking off air uh, before this happened, and, and I guess – Shit, we'll lead off to it. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and complain. But uh, the Sixers, Joel Embiid and James Harden are showing early signs of an unstoppable two-man game that quite simply put reminds a lot of people of Shaq and Kobe. Now, it's not you know easy to compare anybody to Shaq and Kobe, and they quite possibly might not be at that level yet. But the Sixers have had two games uh, over the past week and they have been nothing short of amazing between the two against the Timberwolves and the Knicks. Uh, Taylor, I, I, I guess I'll let you lead off before I give my thoughts. I mean, you look at the Sixers now. You look at the Nets. You look at what the Nets don't have, and you look at what the Sixers have, and the way these games are played, and I get it, the Nets don't have Durant yet, and a lot changes when Durant comes back. Whoever is saying that the Sixers lost the deal, they're out of their damn mind. Well, I mean, I don't know who is saying that, but you're right. Like, if, if I mean, anyone who says that they lost the deal is, is just You'd not be watching am- basketball. You would be amazed at some of these national <laughs> pundits that think that the Nets are going to be better off than the Sixers. It, it, it's I'm- amazing to me. To, okay, well, to be fair, I I, do, I can't say that they won't be. I, I can't say that I, I can't because because we don't know. We don't know. We, ben Simmons hasn't played in so long. Um, you know, soft. I, I don't know if they're going to be better than the Sixers. Do I think they will? Probably not, I would guess. Just, you know, because, I mean, the Sixers look really good. They, they have only played two games, and it was the Timberwolves and the Knicks. Those are two decent teams. They're, they're not bad teams anymore like the Knicks are not a bad team they are they are at least a, a, a playoff type team um so there's that but I, I mean I do want to see them play against like one of the top echelon teams um right now I mean you know I'd like to see them play Milwaukee at full strength um just to see how that goes but yeah it, it I don't know if they're going to be if the Nets are going to look as good as the Sixers do like I, we explained this before, like we don't know just because there's so many variables and they don't have everyone. Durant will be back eventually. And Ben Simmons will be back. Ben Simmons will bring the defensive intensity that the Nets have been lacking. Uh, will it be able to overcome the fact that he can't shoot? Um, I don't take stock in anyone 
hitting threes in practice or whatever. Like we've seen it time and time again with Ben Simmons. So I don't really care about that. He doesn't do it in games. If he does it in games, that'll be crazy. I I will eat my words, but I don't think that he's going to come back and just be a lights out shooter at all. Um, If he could get his free throw shooting up, that would be much helpful because then at least they can't hack him. Um, I've been saying this. That's all he needs. He doesn't need to shoot. You know, Giannis doesn't really shoot all that good, all that well. Like he, he relies on the fact that he can just score at the cup. And then if he gets fouled, he can kind of hit free throws. Um, At least not as bad as Ben Simmons misses them. Um, But yeah, obviously it looks like Philly won the deal. And anyone who says that they didn't win, or at least anyone who says that they lost the deal is crazy, I I think. Because obviously this is going to work. This is going to at least work well enough than anything else we've seen. Like, I don't know how they'll do in the playoffs because, you know, Harden has had his ups and downs in the playoffs. He's had really good runs. He's had really bad runs. Um, And Embiid has been pretty good in the playoffs for the most part. He just seems to never have the right amount of help. But playoff basketball is much different than... um, you know, regular season basketball. So we will, that remains to be seen how far they can go, whether they can make the finals or win it all. Um, But I think they have as good a chance as anyone in the NBA right now. Like I think they're as good as anyone else quite possibly. And we'll see as the season goes on, if they're as good as like the the likes of the Warriors and, and the Suns when they have Chris Paul, but I think they're right up there. And, and to me, like when you look at the Sixers, obviously they are defensively sound, but they are now becoming one of the better offensive teams in the league as well. And you saw Joel Embiid gush about what the presence of Harden was doing for him over these past two games, allowing, I mean, Embiid was sitting there saying, I've never had easier looks in my entire career than, than what I've had mm-hmm. now that Harden is here. And that simply put, you can't focus on just Joel Embiid. That's what teams were doing. Double teaming Embiid now, was it working? No, but you didn't have those other options. Now with James Harden here, I mean, we saw them completely dismantle a Minnesota team that, let's be real, has been very solid all season long and has been playing well. Um, This, to me, has been the best case scenario to the start of this era. Embiid has been dominant. Harden has been untouchable. And the more, the the not talked enough about part of this, and Taylor, I know you're going to agree with me on this, is that Tyrese Maxey has blended in perfectly for not Mm -hmm. being the primary guard. He's almost been better now that he's not the primary guard anymore. I mean, yes, the Sixers have some depth issues. Um, Potentially, they're going to get DeAndre Jordan here in the next couple of days once he passes through waivers. But, I mean, you're you're looking at a team that's going to be ridiculously tough to play come playoff time and, you know, led by Embiid, who... I don't see how he doesn't win MVP. If he does, if he doesn't, again, it's going to be the biggest crime in the NBA. <laughs> but James Harden's not negative, just, negatively affected. I don't. I'm over the Jokic MB conversation. I, I am. I am. We. we I mean, we, I, we allowed I, it to happen last year, or I'm not allowing it again. It's that, no. It's really how you view the MVP award because uh, there are the stats that show that when are the Jokic, Sixers. When, I know, but there's the stats that show that when Jokic is on the floor for the Nuggets, they are the most dominant team, and when he's off the floor, they are the worst team. And so, uh, that's a discussion for another day. All I'm saying is Jokic has an argument. Jokic definitely has an argument, and so does Giannis. But I would I would take. Uh, 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 I take over Giannis, I would take but, job before I take 
Giannis. <laughs> oh, that, that that also could be true too. You you could make that argument too, and I would accept that. I'd almost take Joe over saying, Jokic. I don't know about that. That's that's it's going too far, man. I said what I said. If, I if, said what I said. The thing is, if if you put if when Jamal Murray and uh, Michael Porter Jr. were to come back, I think the Nuggets would be top of the Western Conference, or at least top three, easily, easily. It's just Jamal Murray would make them top three. But anyway, I mean, there's talk. There, 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 there's talk that um, Jamal Murray will be back. The, uh, back for the playoffs, maybe. Back for the playoffs. Michael Porter is Which inching closer as I, well. I, I, I look. Would I be think great the Nuggets matchup. Nuggets. Sixers. Sixers. Joel Embiid will eat Jokic for a snack. I'd love to see it. Me too. Me too. Um, I I guess we're let's get to this real contenders, power rankings, whatever you want to call it, part of the show, because I think that's what more of our listeners want to talk about. As much as I'd love to sit here and talk about the Sixers all day, um, I will. Uh you have another podcast for that. I have another podcast for that. I made for Philly. Um, <laughs> when you look at the real contenders, and, and, and I think we go back to our conversation two weeks ago, I don't think it's really changed, but I think my order has. Um, and, and the reason I say that is I look at really, I, I look at the Suns. They've lost Chris Paul. Um, not great timing for the Suns, but they shouldn't be in danger of it affecting their overall season. Um, it's just really a matter of whether or not CP3 comes back to the team during the final week of the season, the rest you week what? of the play-in tournament, or the middle of the first round. Can I? I, I just want to point out one. So, sure. in uh, 2K, because I do I do play a lot of 2K. I love love me some 2K. Um, online they have like the the tier system, like a tier one team, tier two team, tier three team, or whatever. And obviously, mm-hmm. the tier three teams are the worst team. Without yep. Chris Paul, the Suns dropped from a tier one team to a tier three team. Which is absolutely ridiculous because they're still a great team. Like Chris Paul. Right. I mean, if you have Devin Booker still, yeah, exactly, and Aiden and everyone else. All right, I just wanted to point that out. But yeah, no, that that Phoenix is fine. They're fine. So, so when you look at contenders, like I'm not, I'm not going to sit there and say Phoenix is in any jeopardy. Um, A team that I'm a little more concerned about now, and this might come to a surprise as people and and, and. I had them at the top um, in, in my top five teams, and I still think they're going to be in my top five. But I'm starting to grow concerned for the Golden State Warriors. Um, you got to feel a whole lot better about this Warriors team when Draymond is involved, and without him, the Warriors just appear to be really good rather than a team that should win a championship. Um, Clay Thompson return has been about as good as you could hope. Um, that That's been clear. And the team is killing it with him on the floor, and he's shooting really well from deep. Steph appears to be back on track as a shooter. Um, but, again, it won't happen for them at a title contending level if Draymond can't get healthy, and there's questions of if he can this year. And I don't know if they have the depth or the size to compete with a team like Denver with Jokic or or, or a team like I mean, if Golden State were to make the finals, a team like the Sixers with Embiid, the Bucks with Giannis, I struggle to see this Warriors team because all the three teams I mentioned, maybe the Nuggets less than the others, have shooting. They all have shooting to compete with what Stephen Clay can do on the floor. Um, but 
when it comes to the size, the Warriors do not have it. Well, they need James Weissman badly in a bad oh. way. Oh, and, and I said that two weeks ago. I, I think that yeah. that would be huge for them. He's but... the key. He's the key for them. I, well, I mean, Draymond is also like he is obviously the key because he's but to the ask James Wiseman makes... to have that big of a role come playoff time against the likes of Embiid or Giannis. It, or obviously, Yo- that's Jokic. a tall order. But at least he's right. a big body that you can throw in there because right now they don't have size. They have you know Looney. Like he he's not that big of a guy. He's not strong enough to deal with guys like Jokic and, and Embiid. Not that Weissman is, but at least he's a bigger, stronger guy than I think Looney is. And he can definitely um, play defensive, uh, play some decent enough defense. No one's going to stop Embiid or Jokic. Like you can't really stop them, but having some size in there, maybe block some shots here and there. That's going to be big for them. Give them a little bit of rim protection um, that you just don't get with, with the guys that they have now, especially with Draymond out. Uh, and if Draymond can stay healthy, yeah, he he's obviously a huge part of their defense. He's one of the best defenders in the league. In league history, he's one of the best defenders. Um, and so, yeah, you need him out there. But you get him back, you get Wiseman back. I think that there's enough defense there to make a push. So I, I'm not too worried if they get those guys back, depending on how Wiseman looks and if Wiseman can stay healthy and if Draymond can stay healthy. Without those guys... Yeah, like they are they are not a great team. They are a really good team. So when I look at the West, I still have two teams at the very top, and that would be the Warriors and the Suns in whatever order. I think when fully healthy, the Suns are probably going to be the better team um, simply because I don't see Draymond getting back to that point. At least the Suns will know that CP3 should be healthy come playoff time. After that, there's about two two team two three teams that are on the brink of contention but I don't think have enough when it comes down to it the first team I'll, I'll rattle off is Utah when I look at the Jazz Gobert Conley Royce O'Neal on the floor together should be a pretty good defense but when you actually look at it um they are tied for 11th in defensive rating which actually is not very good when you look at that talent alone um, regardless, the Jazz still put the ball in the basket almost as good as any other team in the league. Um, Donovan Mitchell is playing lights out right now, and, and this is a Jazz team that has been scoring at a very good clip. Another team that I look at, led by, and I mentioned his name before, John Morant, the Memphis Grizzlies. I think this team is close. I don't think they have enough to really compete this year. Um, this is probably the best season in Memphis Grizzlies history. They're on pace to win 55 games. The 2012, uh, 2012-13 Grizzlies won 56. But I still think, I mean, when you look at this Grizzlies team, it's got to be better. Um, the way John Morant is leading the way, the Grizzlies season just feels like it means more. Um, this feels like the start of something special in Memphis, whereas the 2013 Grizzlies team just felt like a good story. Um, Ja is certainly throwing himself in MVP contention. I just think outside of him, they don't have enough. And then when you look at the other team, Taylor, that I'll throw out in the West to round out my top five in the Western Conference, um, the Denver Nuggets. And we talked about Jokic a little bit already. Team has a far better record, though, than should be expected with their missing components this season. As much as Jokic deservingly gets credit for keeping the ship afloat and moving full steam ahead. Um, This could be, I mean, this could have been a mitigate uh, failure of a team without Jokic on the floor. Um, And it hasn't. 
So give the Nuggets some credit where credit's due. Uh, Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. back on the court would be huge for this team. But simply put, I, 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 who knows how up to speed they're going to be come playoff time and how much of an impact they're going to have on that team come playoff time. I mean, the Nuggets, the conversation with them for years has been it's been the Jokic show, but nothing else. I, I mean, obviously, Jamal Murray's injury was devastating to their chances last year. I don't know if he's going to be fully healthy enough to give them a real chance this year. It just seems like the same story from one circumstance to the next that the Denver Nuggets simply do not have enough pieces to compete with the Suns, with the Warriors. I struggle to see them making it out of the West. Yeah, I, I agree with you on most of your, your picks there. I, I don't have too much of an argument. I do think that, you know, Phoenix, Golden State, they're the top two um, in whatever order you want. Phoenix, you know, has the better record right now. You give them the edge right now, except that they don't have Chris Paul. Um, without him, they're still a decent team, obviously. Like, not a decent, they're more than a decent team. They're still a good team with him, maybe even mm-hmm. edging on a great team. They still have great defense. They have length. Um they have scoring. They had still have Devin Booker who can put the ball on the floor and, and score from anywhere. Um, so you give them all that golden state. Uh, we just talked about them. Obviously they need Draymond and I think Weissman back to make a deep, deep run. Um, Memphis, I still think could make a run, but they may be too reliant on jaw. Um, I mean, they have the size with Steven Adams and stuff and, and, and Desmond Bain can score. Um, as well as anyone for a number two, like he's a pretty good number two in terms of he can just shoot the ball well and, and provide that scoring, but it's going to be weird. It's going to be interesting in the playoffs to see how teams start guarding Morant and putting all their focus on him and, and a seven game series, making adjustments to try to slow him down and whether he can overcome that. Um, Because playoff basketball, as much as the regular season is important, playoff basketball is just so different than, than regular season basketball. So in a seven game series, when you have like time to, to game plan for every contingency and make adjustments on the fly in game and after games, it, I don't know. I don't know how he'll be able to, if he'll be able to carry this team uh, very far in the playoffs, Utah, I've always had a problem with, cause in the playoffs, you know, it, it, it gets hard. You can sometimes run Gobert off the court just because of the fact that he can't space the floor as well as other big men like Jokic or Embiid. Um, because he just he doesn't have the outside shooting touch to do that. And then with Denver, yeah, it, it all depends on when, if Jamal Murray and or uh, Michael Porter Jr. come back and how well they look. Because, you know, if Jamal Murray can come back and be half as good as he was, like like the bubble season, then, then they can go as far as him and Jokic can take them. Don't know how far that is, because even in the bubble season, they didn't make it too far. Um, and they ended up getting knocked out, I think, in the – I'm not sure if it was the second round or whether it was the conference finals. I, I remember I the bubble was a dark, dark time for uh, for me, so I try to erase that from my memory. <laughs> so yeah, in terms of the West, I think those are the top teams. Dallas, I mean, Doncic is really good, but them selling Kristaps uh, Porzingis and just like I, I just don't know if they have enough. They don't really have a number two that can really take the pressure off of Jokic and especially in, in it uh in the playoffs I, I just don't know with with the teams focusing on him solely in their defensive schemes whether or not he can generate enough offense to really uh be able because it, it seems like nowadays it's it's a game of do you have a big two or three like if you don't have that second guy who's like mm-hmm. really good 
I, I don't know if he can do it. That's why, you know, Memphis I worry about. Um, right. Phoenix has, you know, they have Booker, but they also have Chris Paul and Chris Paul can generate enough offense that he can almost make a second or third type score out of Aiden or whoever else just with his passing. Um, Golden State has, you know, Clay who can score, you know, he can go off for any type of, like he can go off for 30 in any given game and obviously Steph and, and Jokic is doing it all by himself. Then Denver doesn't have a chance, but yeah, I, I, well, and you, you look at the teams that we're about to talk about in the East too, and, and it's going to bring up your point of how significant it is to have a big two or a big three. I was thinking about like, I knew we were going to the wet at the East and then the top of the East right now, I think we both can agree it Philly's up there somewhere and they have the two guys who at any given night, either one of them or both of them can go off and it makes them practically unguardable. Correct. So, I mean, you took the words right out of my, out of my mouth. Let's go right to it. The Easter conference. And, and I think to me, the clear top team, the way they've been playing right now, to me, has to be the Sixers. And, and I know the Heat are the, in first place, and they deserve their due. We'll get to the Heat, I promise. Um, but to me, the just the construction of the rosters, the way Embiid and Harden have been playing together, I mean, you, you listen to Harden after the game against the Knicks. He doesn't even know plays yet. Him and Embiid are doing this, you, you know, organically working together on the court, and there is no game plan. They're just playing ball, and they're doing this. And now imagine once the game plan and the plays are instilled into this offense with Harden involved, how scary this offense could be. That's how good of chemistry they've had within two weeks here. Uh, the way the Sixers are playing and, and Maxi, you talk about big two or big three. Maxi is quickly becoming that, that part of the big three in Philadelphia between Mac, Maxi, Harden, and MB. Tobias Harris is kind of like an afterthought right now. He's just kind of playing that role at the four right now. And, and that, to me, is a good thing for the Sixers because the scope isn't on him. The pressure was on Tobias Harris this year to be the number two guy because no Ben Simmons questions around what Tyrese Maxey was going to be. Now, clearly, we know he's growing into potentially a budding star, but the depth is there for me with the Sixers, and that's why I put them at the top. Quickly, right behind them, is going to be the Bucks for me at two. I, I mean, with what... Giannis has been doing this year with just the construction of this team with Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. That's the big, the big three, right? Middleton, Holiday, and Anita Cupo. If they are all healthy and playing pretty good basketball, this team is I, this team won a championship. We mm-hmm. have seen the potential of this team. You have the to feel pretty champ. good. You have to feel pretty good about the defending champions right now. Some of the third quarter troubles they've had could be concerning sign of things they need to overcome or it could simply be a team conserving their focus right now. Um, but this is a Bucks team that needs to get the depths of this team up to speed. Um, and that's tough with Pat Connaughton out for a while. Bucks continue to be in great position to defend their title, though. Uh, they've played well. They find themselves right up there at the top echelon of the standings um, right now they're in fourth place. And I, it, what drives me nuts is my top three teams. There's one team in there that just is screwing up my standings here. Like <laughs> you look at these conference standings, the heat, the bulls, the Sixers and the bucks. One team does not belong. We'll get to that, but it's the bulls for me. They do not belong <laughs> up there. Now they have a two, they have a big two. They do. We'll, we'll get to that. Oh, but I do. think, I don't think they have enough outside of that big two. 
Um, mm-hmm. Then the next team, obviously, Taylor, is your Miami Heat at three for me. I, I think this the Heat have weathered the storm all year long, and they are just consistently very good. Um, mm-hmm. They don't have the sexy, you know, all-star. Yes, you have Jimmy Butler, but he's not going to be the guy that, you know, face of the franchise, kind of like an Embiid or a Giannis. Um, you, you know, he, he's just kind of there and does his job. I think what Kyle Lowry has been able to do this year for that team has done wonders. Um, even with all the time missed, they're fighting for the top seed in the Eastern Conference. The positives around the Heat are almost endless to me. You've seen growth from the bench to a place where no longer doubt about the depth is there. Um, six man of the year. I'm tell, I'm calling it right now. He, 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 he's going to win six man of the year, Tyler Hero. Like he has almost no competition. Like he has locked it up. He puts up 20 off the bench, basically. He, he's back He's back to being the player you'd want to have at your disposal. He, he's the guy that I, I bought his jersey for. Like people, yeah. people were ratting on him last year because he had a down year, but he's totally back. And like, he's the guy, he's the guy he was supposed to be. Um, Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker have fit in perfectly with Butler and Bam. Um, the one thing of concern that still exists for me is we don't know what Bam will be like in the postseason. When you look back at their embarrassing, absolutely dreadful performance against the Bucs last year in the playoffs, the Bucs were content with Bam having the middle of the floor wide open. He froze in that moment. And within that strategy, it was the opposite of what we saw in the bubble. I mean, right? I mean, Bam had a great season in the bubble. So which Bam is going to show up for the Heat in the playoffs? I think a big um, big reason why the Heat were so successful is because Bam has been playing so well and played so well in the bubble. You saw what happens when he doesn't. I think, to me, the Heat finish with either the two or the three seed. I think this is a team that's set up to make a deep postseason run. However, at some point you're going to run into the Bucks or the Sixers. And I still question if they have enough to beat those two teams. Yeah. Um, in terms of the playoffs, I, I like my heat as much as the next guy. Like I, they're my team. Um, but I probably put, I give Milwaukee the benefit of the doubt being the defending champs when it comes to playoff time. I'll probably put them number one because, you know, they haven't shown you anything glaring that's truly wrong with them. I mean, Chris Middleton kind of having a down year, that's maybe is the biggest concern because he is their number two guy. He's the guy you need to to score to make those those clutch shots. Um, because Giannis doesn't shoot. So if Giannis is getting uh boxed out of the um boxed out of the uh the, the paint, then you have to rely on Chris Middleton to to be able to make tough shots around the arc and and in the mid-range. So that's probably, I put them at number one because I still think and believe that they have all the tools at their disposal to make another deep run. Um, and they could definitely come out of the East and I would not be surprised. At two, I'll put the Heat there right now. Um, I want to see Philly play um, a tough, a more tough, to, I would love them to see to play the Heat. Like I want to see how they play against the Heat. The Heat are such it's coming. a... It's coming. I know, I know. And the Heat are such a... They're a weird team, right? Because they don't have the superstars. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't say that Bam is really a superstar. Jimmy, no, is... they they don't have that. They're just a well constructed team. Exactly. They do not have, and and that's what I said to the point of like Butler. He's a star, but he's not that face he of the franchise like guy. Like Lowry is very good, not a star. 
Lowry, Butler, you have Bam, very good. Not exactly a, a star. Uh, P.J. Tucker is a role player. Like Tyler Hero, I, I mean, I think everybody wants him to be a star, but he's not. I mean, he's a good he's role a good player. He's a, a great – he's a walking Correct. bucket. So the Heat are very well constructed, but they don't have that face of the franchise star that could take over a game and put the game on his back and go and win it. But the thing is they don't have a guy who does that consistently, but but we've seen Jimmy Butler do it. And yeah. they bubble all you want. In bubble the bubble. all you want. He was fantastic in the finals. Um Absolutely. and I know that a lot of people were, you know, the, they cry bubble all the time that it was so weird and different and that's why people played it and maybe that's true they weren't playing with a crowd really they had the screens but it wasn't real um and it was probably mostly silent in the in they're like pumping in crowd noise like 2k crowd noise half the time so uh i don't know i i still believe that they can do it because they have such versatility like you don't need jimmy necessarily to go off all the time because you have bam who can go off sometimes you have uh, Jimmy, who can score sometimes and go off. You have t- Hero off the bench who can put up 20 points. You have Kyle Lowry who can score. You have, you know, Duncan Robinson, if he has a good night shooting from three, he can bang home a couple threes and get to 20 points really quickly. Um, they have a lot of good pieces and they're a well-constructed team and they play team basketball. And I think that's that's why I can't put them too low because i do believe if they keep playing if they play their brand of basketball in the playoffs they could be successful and they can make a deep run and i think they can beat just about anyone if they play solid good defense team basketball um and it's okay that you don't have two people doing all the scoring it's okay that you don't have a harden and Embiid doing all the scoring because you have you know players who can exchange and they can each like shine a different night and i think that that can work we, that that could definitely work. So I'm excited to see because I don't know in the playoffs if it comes down to it, can you put Jimmy Butler on Harden and really slow him down? Because Jimmy Butler is a mad defensive player. Like especially in the playoffs when the game's on the line, he's a guy you can put on the best player and he can really be a disruptor. Can Bam slow down uh, Embiid? I don't know because no one really can. So it. Uh, uh. Well, and that's just it. Like with the Sixers, you have to pick your poison and. and... And that's 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 kind of like it. Look, if you leave Harden wide open, he's going to kill you. If you if you leave Embiid one on one, he's going to kill you. So it that that's definitely the the conversation. But I think that the and Heat, he, I do think that he'd have like one of the best depth in the entire NBA. I mean, just I don't think anybody's debating that. I, like, I don't think I don't think anybody's really debating the depth of the Heat. So uh, clearly, there's a clear top three in the East, and then it gets a little tricky. Um, I, I think you and I will agree with that fourth team, though, Taylor. That's very close. Um, but simply, in my opinion, not there to the talent level of the top three teams we talked about, and that's the Chicago Bulls. This has been a wildly successful season for the Bulls, no matter how this thing ends. The combination of DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine, it's been stellar. And I, I don't think any. I mean, some people want to throw DeMar DeRozan into the MVP conversation. I'm not there. I'm not willing to do it. He's had I a great he's year. Top five or top six, but I don't think he's, he's top yeah, five. he's had a great year, but but let's let's leave it at that. Not everybody can be an MVP, okay? Um with these two <laughs> on the floor, the Bulls outscore opponents by roughly six points per hundred possessions, and that's fourth in the NBA over the course of the season. With those two on the floor, the Bulls also score 114 points per hundred possessions. That would be second best offense in the NBA. 
Um, these two have combined for roughly 53 points on 50% shooting from the field. If that scoring combination keeps going in the playoffs, it will be difficult to stop this team. However, you question the depth of this team behind those two, and you question the true experience outside DeMar DeRozan um, when it comes to playoff experience with this Bulls team. Um, I think you'll see the Bulls try to surge one more time when it comes to the standings as they try to make a statement for grabbing one of the top records in the East. Um, you might see other teams start to pull back a little, but this Bull team, Bulls team will want that you know, one of those top three seeds. Do I think they'll get it? No, but they could. Um, but when you look at this Bulls team and you're looking at probably a four seed, and we'll talk about our fifth team here in a second, but I mean, look, if you even get out of that first round, congratulations, you get the Heat, uh, Heat Bucks, or Sixers <laughs> in the next round. And that, <laughs> I mean, good luck. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that they are missing um, – uh, Alex Caruso a lot. Oh, um, absolutely. He's, he's a big part of their team because he's he's so good defensively. And people, la people laugh at that, but it's true. He's so good defensively. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA. He really is. Um, that's why, I mean, going back a while, I, I thought it was absolutely nuts that the Lakers let him go. I, I don't know what they were thinking. Well, they wanted to save money, but I mean, hey, they they but, were able to cut DeAndre Jordan and pay pay that pay that up, pay the yeah, five million dollars no, for it, that. It was but, foolish, yeah. foolish as all hell for them to get rid of uh, Caruso. He was one of the, he was their best defender, and he is the Bulls' best defender. Um, and so it's a big thing to miss him. And let's not forget about their probably second or maybe their best defender as well in um uh what's his name uh Ball uh Anso. Yes, sorry. I was thinking LaMelo, and I was like, I know that it's not LaMelo. Um, yeah, Lonzo. Um, they're missing Lonzo as well. And <laughs> Lonzo is a huge part of that team, being able to distribute the ball and play defense. Listen, if Lonzo and Caruso were both playing, and they play, like, they're two guards, so missing two of your best defensive guards is huge for them. And um, so I think, like, that's the difference. I think if they had those two, I could put them in right up there with with the heat. Like I think they could go toe to toe with almost any team because Caruso and Lonzo are guys. If they play the Sixers say there's, those are guys you can throw at Harden and will they stop him? No. And no one's going to mm -hmm. stop these superstars. You can't, you just can't. Um, but I mean, when I look at the bulls, especially um, in terms of them playing the top teams, like with the Sixers, like can Vucevic even do a dent to Embiid? No, like Vucevic, nope. Vucevic is, is he's a, offensive guy and so defensively they have no one to stop Embiid I keep saying that no one has anyone to stop Embiid but like can you slow him down the when I look at that it's like Bam I think could could do some work because I do like Bam especially as a defender sure. and when I look at uh well you have uh, the box Giannis the Bucks, could certainly that's what do exactly it. exactly the box Giannis Giannis is the guy you can put on Embiid maybe not as strong but he's still pretty strong and he he's lanky and long and he can definitely uh make it a problem for Embiid the mm -hmm. Bulls you don't have that guy. You just no. don't. No. And and without Lonzo and uh, Caruso, you don't have the guy to even challenge uh, Harden either. And so th that's that's where their problems lie. I, I uh, and and you're spot on with everything you just said. Uh, when it comes to the, this is where it gets interesting. Like I want to throw the Cavs in there as the fifth team, but I'm not going to do that. There's. <laughs> Like the Celt, the way the Celtics are playing right now, I want to put them in there. And then obviously you have the conversation with the Nets. 
Um, I'll start with the Celtics because I, I think they are my fifth team, and I'll and I'll tell you why I picked them over the Nets. Um, ever since the new year hit, this Celtics team has been different, and that's when they drew that defense into another gear, start smacking teams around on that end of the floor, and they have potentially one of the best defensive lineups in the NBA, and it's all been without the regular players. It's not messing around with playing guys who normally wouldn't be out there, um, they never panicked during the tough times early on. Uh, you look at the combination of what Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown have done. This is a Celtics team that's been playing some dangerous ball. And let's just see if the final stretch of the season allows them to figure out the offense stuff for the postseason because the Celtics finished with the best defense in the NBA. Um, in my opinion, they're about 0.8 points per hundred possessions behind the Warriors who have held it all season long. Um, I think the way the Celtics are playing, this is they're starting to get hot at the right time. It could be pretty dangerous. And the reason I'm picking them over the Nets is because uh, um, reasons. Um, I don't know. Is it, <laughs> Kyrie doesn't is, play in? Is it in the fact that games? Ben Simmons all of a sudden has a back issue, quote unquote, back issue when you know he's trying to ramp up and March 10th is getting closer and closer? Is it the fact that Kyrie still can't play? Uh, home games is it the fact that Kevin Durant's not healthy is it the fact that they've been getting slapped around by 30 plus points a night uh you know ever since the trade um yeah, look i mean Kyrie Irving played his heroics part on the road against the bucks um that was an impressive win they needed it um you know i've heard Kevin Durant's on the brink of returning for about a month and a half now um so uh, like, forgive me, uh, we'll see where this lower back stuff for Ben Simmons leaves him in his return, but there's rumors now that he might not be ready to go to the playoffs. Look, I told you also, like, don't believe in this Ben Simmons bullshit. I mean, he will find he is softer than Charmin toilet paper. I, I mean, this, this guy, you are not, even if he does come to the floor, God knows, God knows what he's going to be. I mean, Ben Simmons can't hide from his demons for long. Like if this Nets team, like this Nets team will make the playoffs, but potentially right now you're looking at the play-in tournament. If you're a Nets fan, you're in the play-in tournament and your team has not gotten any better. Like Durant, I think alone will get this team out of the play-in tournament, but you're a low seat. Ben Simmons is not going to be able to hide from his demons very long because I guarantee you that the Nets will play the Sixers at some point in the NBA playoffs, and it will be hell for four games when he has to face, the, I mean, face the music in Philadelphia. You can't hide forever, so you might as well just get it over with come March 10th. But, I mean, this is this is a Nets team that's a mess. You don't know. I mean, it's Andre Drummond is playing well. Seth Curry is playing well for them. But, I mean, Taylor, you have seen we, – we've all seen what the Nets have – I mean, the loss to the Celtics was absolutely atrocious. You beat the Bucks, and then, I, I mean, the, the Raptors game, oh, my goodness. I mean, this Nets team's a mess. And, I, look, Kevin Durant's one of the best players in the world, but how healthy is he when he comes back? How much can he turn it around? Kyrie can't play home games. You don't know about Ben. Um, yeah, I'm going to take the Celtics over the Nets as my five, my fifth best team in the East. Well, I mean, yeah, it's 
you I don't I can't really judge the Nets as they are. Uh I don't have the uh the animosity towards Ben Simmons that you obviously do. So I'm giving him a pass on his coward. back issue because He's a coward. I, I really don't think it's a There is no back issue. Tara. There is a back issue. Yeah. Uh, uh, he has not played a for like a, right. a freaking year. So obviously he's going to be, you know, sore. Not a year, but it, it's been a while. And obviously he's going what? to be sore on the ramp. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He, you're telling me this guy hasn't been in the gym? You, you don't stay in gym shape? Like... You're an NBA All-Star player. If you are if you have to, you know, well, he hasn't been I mean, he doesn't have, he doesn't have, he hasn't been doing anything with the Sixers. So maybe he's working out like lifting some weights, but like he's not getting the full on training and like no, he's been too busy and doing his, and whatever else. He's been with he's been too busy uh, touring and watching the you know U.S. Open with his newly fiance. <laughs> okay. Everyone mean, goes to, to to things like this, and <laughs> you're anyway, soft, Ben. Anyway, you're a fucking coward. Anyway, ben. I don't think he's hiding from the March 10th because, like you said, he'll oh, have he to is. face it anyway. No, why would he want to do like if because he's, he's not that anyway, smart? Taylor. And he's gonna what the LSU? He's not that smart. He's smart enough to get out of the situation that he was in and figure out a way to get to the Nets. So, I mean, he's got to be have something up there. Um, but either way, either way, you can't really judge this Nets team because you want to know the starting lineup that they had against the Raptors. Joe Johnson, <laughs> Brett Brown, Andre Drummond, Patty Mills, and Seth Curry. What? But I thought Seth Curry was going to be a perfect replacement for James Harden. No one thought that. No one is saying that. You you listen to these. I'll pull. I wish. I wish I had the clips up. I I need to like go back and pull them up. Like yeah, but from... no one was saying. No one was saying that Steph Seth Curry was going to carry a team by himself. Is he a great compliment when you have Durant and Ben Simmons? Yeah, he is because he's a locked or a lights out knockdown shooter, and that's exactly what you need to space the floor because Ben doesn't space the floor and Durant. I mean, he needs space to work with, and not that he needs a lot of space because he's like the second best player in the world or third best player in the world, depending on who you ask. Um, some people would even put him number one. Um, but yeah, he, he doesn't need, you know, a ton of space, but Seth Curry definitely creates space, and Ben Simmons needs all the space in the goddamn world because he cannot shoot. Um, so he needs this the floor to be space. So you need, you know, I mean, they need Joe Harris to come back too. And then when you have Joe Harris, Patty Mills, uh, or Kyrie when he plays uh seth curry on on the on the wing and then you have uh like joe harris and then you know durant and ben simmons playing i mean i playing center ish maybe i don't know i don't know how they're going to use him that's how i would use him i would make him like an oversized center and then have durant play the three and then you can space the floor with all these shooters that's how they have to play and so when they're starting out with joe johnson and like brett brown andre drummond petty mills and seth curry that's not that is a, that is not even a playoff team. That's a lottery team. Like that is a lottery team. Like they don't have anyone who can do anything. Like these guys are all role players, all of them, like no stars at all. Like they're all role players. So yeah, the Nets are not good. If they play with that in the play-in game, they're getting smoked. They shouldn't even be in a playoff game, a play-in game with that team. But when they have Durant and Kyrie and Ben and Ben Simmons, that is a playoff team. And that is a team that I can see making a push pretty far because Durant alone almost beat them, beat the the uh, the Bucks last year 
if his foot was a little bit smaller and he hit the three instead of the two to tie and he hit the three to win, they would have been in the finals and probably would have won it if Durant kept playing like he played it. Um, so I, I, I can't say that this Nets team is completely gone, but yeah, as, as constituted right now, no, they're not because Kyrie can only play in freaking away games and Durant's injured and Ben Simmons is now, you know, ramping up and whatever, dealing with his back shit. So yeah, they're crap right now. They're not a good team and you have to put the Celtics in there unless you want to put the Cavs in there. But I think the Cavs are a little bit too young and I want to see them uh, get some experience in the playoffs when it comes to it. At least the Celtics have a big two that you can rely on come playoff time in Tatum and Brown. And they're both, uh, you know, good defenders, great scorers. So yeah, they, they can definitely be a problem and I don't know how far they can make it, but they could probably go pretty far. I'd be interested and hope that if the Nets did make it and were healthy and Ben Simmons was playing, I hope they play Philly because I want to see the madhouse that it'll be when Ben Simmons is there oh. and how he deals with it. Because... Oh, you you think March 10th would be bad? Yeah, Put that in game. a playoff game. Oh yeah. my God. But yeah. at least but at least for Ben Simmons' sake, if they're playing in Philly, um, uh, Kyrie will be there. <laughs> <laughs> you you would you would yeah. <laughs> at least at least when they're playing in Philly the whole team will be there hopefully you know if they're all healthy but Kyrie will you, be able to play you you would hear the Wells Fargo Center and its booze across the globe that Probably. night if yeah. Ben's uh, if that was as, I, I don't think it matters you wouldn't even be able to hear the announcers like no. you, like commentators you won't be able no. to hear them because it'll just be no. boo like the whole time <laughs> every time he and I, every time I he would touches love- the ball at least. And it's not just the fans. Like, I want to see what Embiid does to him. I want to see Embiid back his ass down and posterize him. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, that's Bully just ball in there. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. And then um, Harden on the other side playing. Not that he has a lot of animosity or any animosity towards the Nets, but just like, you know, you could tell at the end that Harden was like not playing at all like he wasn't trying with the Nets. And for the Sixers, you can see he's trying. Like he's oh, really yeah. even on defense, he's hustling. Well, and I think that's the difference, one, between Doc Rivers and Steve Nash, and Harden alluded to it that, you know, he he was excited to play for a real NBA coach and not just a face to watch a bunch of all-stars throw the ball around. Um, And the fact that Kyrie, every place he goes, he tears it down. Um, I don't think Kyrie is a player that many people get along with. And I don't think that's on James Harden. I wonder why. Yeah, I wonder why. Part, yeah. A part-time player. Part, yeah. part, yeah, part-time. It's the most and I, ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It never had anything to do with Durant. Um, it never had anything no, to Durant's do. Cool. Yeah, cool. it, and it never had anything to do with you know wanting out of Brooklyn. It was something that he wasn't going to go back there. And he always wanted to be in Philadelphia, and it made sense. And I think the Sixers, in my opinion, as we go full circle here, won that deal. And if it materializes into a championship, then, I mean, that's all it needed to do. And that's all Let's look at history of James Harden. He's always gotten one of the most, if not the most, out of his big men. He's always done that. Like like Clint Clint Capella. Yeah. I think he yeah. played with Dwight Howard and he would it. Sure and, did. And um, uh, who who else am I thinking? Uh, Christian Wood. Even like he was a nobody, and Harden makes him play play much better. Like if you're a center, 
you thrive playing with Harden because he creates so much space and he's such a good passer and he has such great vision that he can get you the ball. And like you said earlier, Embiid's just getting the best looks of his career because he's just he's working with a guy who knows angles, who knows how to get the big man open. Oh. Joel, uh, James Harden has never played with a center even half of what Joel Embiid and James Harden, or, I mean, and Joel Embiid has never had a playmaker like James Harden. Exactly. Plain and simple. I mean, watching the Sixers game, well, we've never had a player that could simply step back and drain threes like James no, Harden could. No, I mean, it's yeah. just never have had it. It's been, yeah, it's like, been very Simmons, refreshing to Simmons watch. is a great playmaker, but he doesn't command the attention of so many defenders a because right. of the, because of the fact that, you know, James Harden can beat you with the three, with the step back, with the drive, with he's, he's lethal at all three levels. And because of that, he get he gets like, not just the attention of his main defender, the entire team, or at least the entire side that he's on, has to watch him and pay attention to him. He has the gravity um, similar to how Curry has gravity. Not mm-hmm. as much because he doesn't do as much off-ball, but when he has the right. ball, he has immense gravity. And that he knows how to use that in order to get Embiid open. And so, and, and I mean, James Harden has never played with a player like Embiid at all. Like, you know, he's played with, like, Chris Paul, who has been his best player, another guard, who does the same type of thing. So it's like, I'll go, you go, I'll go, you go. But, like, this is like, I'll go and I'll get you involved, and I'll get you open looks, and then in turn, it gives me open looks. And so, yeah, this Phillies team is 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 obviously very, very dangerous, and it's, it's fun to watch. So before we go, as it stands right now, what's your NBA Finals prediction? Uh, we've, so we, we, we've had the deadline. We've gone through the all-star break. We've kind of see the, what teams are with their new rosters. What are we looking at? I think coming out of the West, I think the Suns mm-hmm. come back. The Warriors are the only team I think that really... Uh, see, for me, I, I'm, I'm bank... I still think the Warriors out of the West, I'm banking that on Draymond's going to be healthy and Wiseman's coming back. That's mm-hmm. my bank. I mean, you could say that for CP3 with the Suns too. I, I don't yeah. think it's going to be anybody else. I think it's between the Warriors and the Suns. I truly believe that. I'm going to go with the Warriors for conversation's sake simply because I think Draymond's going to come back, and that's a big part of their success, and that kind of allows Clay and Steph to do what they do and they could be more relied upon on the defensive end of the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to the Suns, I mean, it all revolves around CP3. Can Devin Booker carry this team? Yes, he can for the rest of the regular season. DeAndre Ayton's good. We all know how good the Suns are. But I think they are going, especially the way CP3 has played this year, you're going to need him to get out of the West and go to the NBA Finals again. Agreed. Agreed. You need to have him back. I was assuming – that he would be back like in, in right. saying that the Suns were going to get there just like you with Draymond like I, I, I'm I'm saying the Suns with CP3 are, are going to and then ah, the East <laughs> is so tough I know you want me to say Philly and I know that you're going to say Philly oh and, absolutely and, not a chance in hell I'm saying anybody else yeah and <laughs> and I really want to say the Heat because I do think that they could do it um but I'll say I'll say the Bucks. I'd say Bucks Suns part two, and I think Philly. I'll give them a full year. I'll give them a full year next year. I think it's Phillies to get there, but I think this year it might just be a little too early for them. I respect that. I just 
the way Embiid and Harden have come out, and they're only going to get better when it comes to chemistry-wise, I, I just think this Sixers team, this trade was made to win now, and I think the Sixers team has the momentum and what it takes to win now. Um I, I just the way they've been playing, I can't pick anybody else. I if if it was going to be someone else, it would be the Bucks. I agree with that. And I think we've both kind of hinted at that the entire show. Um I just think right now I can't doubt Embiid the way he's playing. He's playing even better than he was last year. He's playing at an MVP level. Now he has the best playmaker he's ever had on the court. Um do they lack some depth? Yes, they might be getting some help with DeAndre Jordan, um, but I, this is still a team that I think has what it takes to win it all. And the NBA, in my opinion, this year is as wide open as we've seen the NBA in a long, long time. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, even on the West side, like I think one of those two will come out, but I could easily see like you can make the I, argument for three. Memphis yeah. could make it. I mean could happen i mean i mean yeah i mean maybe the cinderella story continues and the grizzlies just take it all the way to the nba finals i mean i think all of us really just had to pick the lakers at the beginning of the year because how could you LeBron. not simply be you got to give it a chance they've been an absolute utter disaster well, when it comes um, to the lakers like if anthony davis is not playing they have zero chance zero no, if no. if anthony davis was playing you give him a puncher's chance. Without him, and the they thing, have no shot. And the thing with LeBron is like he's still very good. He's LeBron, but he's no longer at the stage of his career where he can simply carry a team like he yeah, did. They the have team. that the yeah. like executive or whatever said that, and that's fair. You, you shouldn't have to. He's thirty-seven years old. This yeah. was supposed to be a, a, a. It's been beaten with a dead horse. It was supposed to be LeBron handing the the baton off to Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis was supposed to be like the best player on the team by now, mm -hmm. and he's just mm -hmm. not. And he's not healthy. No, you're talking about healthy. this offseason, him potentially be traded in a team of interest I mean, is your heat. So, yeah. um, uh, I mean, it's it's definitely going to be interesting to see what happens out there. Obviously, uh, Jeannie Buss was seen leaving in the middle of the third quarter when they got absolutely obliterated on national television by the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, yeah. I get it. You got CJ McCollum now, but I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, so the Lakers are a mess. We talked about who we think are going to – could make it to the NBA Finals. Go ahead and win the NBA Finals. I, I, I'm going with my Sixers. Uh, my wallet says Sixers as well because I took that bet uh, pre-deadline as well. But um, this was another full hour, Taylor of Sports with a Z and a T. Even though when we tried to make it shorter, it just simply does not end that way. Yeah, for all of the listeners out there, uh, Bryce, when when we were before we got on, he was like, all right, we're doing it tonight. Uh, I can only do 30 minutes to 45 yep, minutes. Here, here we are. It's an hour and 13 minutes. Maybe one day. Maybe uh, maybe, maybe one. one. Day. Probably maybe one not. Because we've not. tried it like ten times now. If we if we haven't gone under an hour now, just imagine like when March Madness is coming on and the NBA yeah. playoffs are around the corner mm -hmm. and the NFL draft is here and, and baseball maybe or maybe not. We'll see. Is back up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I, I hold out hope that one day we'll be under an hour but well, we just like talking about sports too much <laughs> especially the be. nba because i that could, I be could too, talk yeah. about the nba for like five hours oh yeah 
Oh, yeah, easily. I mean, you and I have done that for years now. We will mm-hmm. talk about the NBA for hours on end. Uh, we would like to thank you for listening to this episode of Sports with a Z and a T. Once again, we are presented by Godzilla Media, sponsored by Mohawk Honda, Johnstown Supply, and Troy, and Saving Face Barbershop up in Saratoga Springs. You can find this and every episode of Sports with a Z and a T on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Make sure you rate top left-hand corner where the star is, as well as YouTube if you want to see our amazing faces. You could follow us on Twitter at sports underscore podcast, as well as myself and Taylor at zbrice21 and at tlats with two T's and two S's. And with that, hopefully uh, keep it locked into our Twitter accounts. Hopefully we, uh, we have some baseball agreements coming on. Enjoy the NBA basketball. March Madness is approaching probably next week. We'll start looking at the conference tournaments here in a little bit, looking at the landscape of the March Madness tournament and, uh, as well as get closer to that NFL draft prep. It's coming and, uh, it's one of the best times of the year, uh, honestly, because springs around the corner even though, you know, <laughs> not up here, apparently it's like 10 <laughs> degrees outside, but that's okay. Um, maybe one day I'll get back on the golf course. It's not going to be anytime soon though. Uh, but have a good week guys for Taylor. I am Bryce. This was sports with a Z and a T and we will catch you next week right here. Presented by Godzilla media sports with a Z and a T podcast. <laughs>